Um, all right, there we go. Praise God. All right, so if you're watching online um, and you were wondering where the audio was, we, we we're having issues with the soundboard. So shouldn't hopefully it will be some quality audio. I've got it just going off the uh, the laptop uh, microphone, which is a new laptop and a quality microphone. So I'm getting good uh, signals. Um, Brian Reynolds, you're out there, I know, uh, watching from uh, somewhere in Alabama. So uh, anyway, I don't have my phone on me for you to tell me how we're sounding, but I did multiple sound checks, so hopefully we're good. So praise God. Amen. It's good to see everybody. We've got a good crew uh, in the room tonight, and uh, I believe we've got a good crew uh, watching online. So I had some folks in the room ask before we started, uh, and I know we haven't prayed yet, so y'all don't let me forget that, but um, I had some folks uh, that were asking about making up classes, and uh, the answer is absolutely yes. If you'd like a completion certificate for uh, this class, there's 36 classes total, so last week was 18, so we're actually, uh, I guess if we were golfers, we just started the back nine. Uh, or the back 18. Um, and so uh, you need to have attended or consumed 30 of the 36 classes. And, um, and if you've missed them, they're archived. Uh, you can get those on the church website, hccnowhccnow.org, or on my Vimeo channel, Mark Winslet. Just go to vimeo.com and Mark Winslet. That's with two T's. Somebody asked if I was related to Kate Winslet. The answer is yes. Um, but uh, she left off the T. Uh, so somewhere along the line when my ancestors came to America, they added the T. So, but anyway, praise God. Two T's on Winslet. Um, you'll remember it now since I told you that story. So, um, But um, I would encourage you definitely to, uh, to go back. And, uh, and it's honor system, as I was explaining uh, before we started live on, on camera. Uh, so if you tell me you viewed them, I'm going to believe you 100%. And um, so that's cool stuff. Amen. And I know, like, you know, we have folks here that, um, you know, may not be here this, uh, you know, spring when we finish. They may be moving to other uh, locations. And so uh, you can uh, online, in-person, combination of the two, make up. Um, been preaching on mercy on Wednesday nights, and so we are very merciful. So praise God. Amen. You guys are looking good. It makes me smile to see so many folks in the room. Um, last year... Uh, which was year 17, I just sat here and stared into a camera, and that was not, that was not the most enjoyable thing. Uh, my, uh, my precious son and my beautiful wife, they would, they would come in here, so I would have somebody in here to, uh, uh, to be with me. So anyway, praise God. Everybody good? Yeah? Okay. All right, so let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you for another beautiful day of life, Lord. You're so good to us. Um, and Father, we're doing better than any of us understand because you're on our side. You didn't spare Jesus, but you delivered him up for us all. And so your word says in Romans 8 that how will you not now freely give us all things if you spared not your only son? If you didn't withhold him from us, Father, you will withhold no good thing from us. So, Father, we um, know that there are, you know, craziness going on in the world all around us, Father, violence and pandemics and uncertainty. But, Father, we know one thing for sure, that you do not change. You're the same yesterday, today, forever. You're trustworthy, you're faithful, you're faithful to us even when we're not faithful to you. So Father, I pray that for the next little while we'll just all be able to gather around your word, um, relax, rest. Father, receive from you, uh, impart into us, activate us, Lord. Um, help us, Lord, move forward in our lives in the gifts and callings that you've placed within each one of us. Father, we pray not only for those that are in the room and watching online, but Father, for their families and loved ones. But Lord, even more so, we pray 
for all of the people that these men and women are going to reach and touch and impact for your glory. Uh, Father, we've purposed in our heart that we'll not let the people who reject us keep us from reaching the people who want us and need us. And so, Lord, I thank you that you are building us up in faith so that we can be uh, mighty ambassadors for you and for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, for his anointing upon our lives. Lord, as I speak your word, as those who are listening hear your word, and I thank you, Father, that faith will increase tonight and that we will move forward for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. All right, let's, um, we kind of rushed this last class, so let's start by way of review in Isaiah 44 and 7 tonight. Isaiah 44 and uh, 7. So, uh, again, welcome to all of you who are watching online. I hope that we've got some good audio signal for you. The, the meters are looking good. I usually stay right here in this position in front of the camera, and, and that proximity to the microphone hopefully will not change. I'll try to keep my voice uh, up. And another thing, I had some feedback from people online. Uh, with this many folks in the room, it's inevitable that we have a question or a comment. And um, I was uh, neglectful, uh, class before last, to uh, repeat some of those questions uh, and comments uh, for those who are watching online. And they're like, hey, we want to hear what those people are saying. So um, anyway, so I'll try to remember uh, to do that uh, tonight, uh, repeat or at least summarize the question or comment before I respond to it. Praise God. So I'm not going to go back and, and review a bunch of things, but the last uh, few classes we've been involved in what I call a kingdom overview. And we learned that the message of the kingdom of God on earth was Jesus's first message. It was his most consistent message and that it was his final message. For those of you who are not here last week or, or not tuned in or had a chance to, to look at last week's class, we, we looked at where after Jesus raised from the dead, he spent 40 days alive on planet earth. And he spent a lot of that time doing what he did before he went to the cross, teaching. And, uh, and his, again, main subject was the kingdom of God. We also said last week that many of us, uh, at least I can speak for myself in this, uh, when I was young, I heard the gospel of salvation preached uh, over and over and over again. It's a very important message, so don't misunderstand me. But Jesus' message was not the gospel of salvation, the good news of salvation. His message was the good news of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. And we see that salvation is the means by which we enter into the kingdom. You can't enter the kingdom unless you're born again. And what's happened in modern-day Christianity is that we have the gospel of salvation preached to us, but unfortunately um, not the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, I would dare say, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I would dare say that a lot of people in this room and a lot of people in uh, these classes heard more about the kingdom in the last two classes than perhaps some of you heard an entire lifetime being raised in church. And, and that is strategic on the devil's part. He does not want us to understand the kingdom. He does not want us to understand the power of the kingdom, the resources of the kingdom, that we're ambassadors for the kingdom, that the kingdom has been given to us, the kingdom is within us, and we could just go on and on and on about it. So it was Jesus' first message. It was his most consistent message. Every time he would, I say every time, practically every time he opened his mouth, he would begin by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would tell us a story because he's trying to help us understand the kingdom. And we need to develop a kingdom mindset, a kingdom awareness, a kingdom consciousness. Um, I don't remember the whole story, but uh, basically, uh, I think it was World War II. A lot of soldiers were, were, were uh, coming home from war, and there was big parades and celebrations for them, and, uh, you know, homecoming. 
and there was a man who had, uh, during that time, had served uh, God on the foreign mission field where uh, I think his wife and a couple of his children had, had actually given their lives for the cause of the kingdom, and, and there was nobody there even to welcome him, no celebration for him, and he was kind of feeling a little bit sorry for himself, all that he had sacrificed, and, and all these folks, you know, getting this warm welcome home, and, uh, and he didn't receive any, and he, and he talked to the Lord about it, and the Lord said, son, you're not home yet, right? <laughs> you know, so these folks are, are home, but, you know, you're, you're looking for your homecoming parade, and you're not home yet. Um, we're still in this world, but we're not of this world. And, but there's a homecoming day. Amen? Come on now. Somebody get excited when we're out there. There's a homecoming day. There's a day when we're going to go home. Amen? Uh, and uh, into our homeland. So now we're in foreign territory as ambassadors for our Father's kingdom. And so uh, it's important for us to, to understand this. And so the last thing about the gospel of salvation versus the gospel of the kingdom. Because we've been fed a steady diet of the gospel of salvation, we think the Christian life is about getting into heaven, okay? All right, and some of you may be inside like, I'm not going to say it out loud, but I thought it was, right? Again, we think that the, the, the Christian life is about getting, if we have the gospel of the kingdom preached to us, then what we understand is that it's not so much about you getting into heaven as is the Christian life is about getting heaven into you so that God can then get heaven into the earth, all right? So into you and then ultimately through you. Yes, sir? Do you think there's too much to unpack what we all know about the gospel of the kingdom to say you born believer? So the question was, is it too much to try to unpack all of that to a, new, a newborn believer? And so that's I, I, a great question, and I think you have to look at how Jesus did it, right? I mean, Jesus didn't, didn't start with some of the heavier, weightier things. But he certainly wanted people to understand that this was more than just turning over a new leaf. It was more than just joining some religion or some sect of a, an existing religion, but that he had come to institute a new government and that we've, through the new birth, become citizens of, of that government. So obviously, you know, think about, <clears throat> I go back, I was seven years old when I was born again, and, um, you know, I gave my life to Jesus, but... I made the best commitment I could make at seven years old. And the Lord knew my heart, right? I had no idea that I was committing to this. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the Lord knew, but I didn't know. Um, and, and so what happens as we grow and develop in our, in our Christian life, you know, we learn more, uh, we commit to more, or unfortunately, a lot of people have the opportunity to learn more, but they don't take it. And as they learn more, they hear the voice of God, but they don't respond to it. Um, but again, I think it's extremely important for, because Jesus said that he would not return to this earth until the gospel of the kingdom was preached as a witness to all nations. See, we think if we just go tell them about salvation, that that qualifies. But he didn't say if you go tell them about salvation. He said go, go explain to them that the kingdom of God is now present upon the earth. See, when we don't, man, this is a... There's a reason why I call it Kingdom Overview, because um, I, I have literally, uh, here at Heritage years ago, um, taught for, I think it was like a year and a half on the kingdom. Um, it, it's, it's that extensive. There's, there is so much more here than what we've covered. Um, you know, I tell you, some of you, you know, leading up to you coming to these classes that we, you know, exhaustively study things that we may just simply mention in a sermon or a class or a lesson that we don't have time to dig into, but there are a couple of things that I will put the meaning 
if we were going to try to exhaustively cover everything that the Bible has to say about the kingdom, then, then you know, we, it, we could spend the rest of our time together, um, the rest of the, what, 18 classes to go now, um, and not cover it all. So I think the, the biggest thing, back to the question about you know, a, new, a new believer, a new convert, is, is that we explain to them that there's a purpose for their salvation, um, that salvation is not um, an end in and of itself. Do you understand what I mean by that? Um, I used the example uh, a couple of Sundays ago. I think I mentioned this on Sunday. And this is kind of how the Lord showed it to me. It's a real simple example. Uh, in 2000, year 2000, um, I sold my cabinet business. For those of you who don't know the story, um, this, this particular church um, started in the showroom of my cabinet shop, mine and my wife's cabinet shop, about two blocks that way um, in June of 90, 1998, first Sunday in June 1998. We cleared out multi, you know, several of the cabinet displays that we had in our showroom and, um, and set up some chairs, and uh, again, away we went. And um, so after a couple of years of pastoring and running the cabinet business, uh, the church and the business were growing uh, at the same time. It just became clear that I couldn't do both. Uh, my desire, uh, it's not biblical necessarily, but my desire was to never have to receive a salary from the church. Um, and, and I didn't for the first, I guess, two, two and a half years, what have, what have you. Um, we were able to sow all that money back in the church um, and just have the business on the side to support uh, me and my family. But um, it, it just, I couldn't do both, and it became very apparent. And so the Lord blessed me with the, with the ability to sell um, uh, my business. And so obviously, you know, I had worked a lot, a lot of hours. My kids at that time were seven and, um, let's, see, uh, let's see, seven and nine. And so it was a great, great time. So we went to Disney World. I mean, it was like, you know, what, win the Super Bowl, where are you going to go? We're going to Disney. So, um, so we went down. It was, it was a wonderful trip. And one of the things that, that really impressed me about Disney World was the entrance. I mean, man, it's, 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 it's amazing. I mean, you know, all the, I, I, like, um, I like order and symmetry. Uh, some of you know that about me. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, you know, I mean, it was like somebody used a laser to plant the flowers. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it was impressive. And so I guess I was just kind of thinking about all that. But um, can you imagine, like, you know, if we thought that all the ticket to Disney World was for, you know, to get into the, you know, the front entrance. And, and kind of the, the, when I say vision, I don't mean like some open vision. I just mean what the Lord was kind of, I was imagining, thank you, Holy Spirit, in my heart, was everybody going into Disney World, but once they go through the gate, everybody's standing right there by the gate um, because they thought that the ticket was only, you know, to get in. And, and that's how a lot of people are with their salvation. They think that it's just, okay, we're in now, and we'll just hang on right here uh, un until... Uh, Jesus comes back or till we die and hopefully you know we'll get to the good stuff after that without ever realizing that you know salvation is a qualifying experience it gets you in of the kingdom but once you're in the kingdom now it's a whole new world out in front of you uh, to, to go and, and explore and enjoy and experience um, you know with God and, and, and things that he wants to do for you and in you and to you and with you but also through you uh, in, in ministering to other people. One of the things we said early on in these classes, and it bears repeating now, is that anything God does for you, he, he then wants to do through you and with you. So, for instance, when, when you're born again, he then wants to use you to see other people come to, to know salvation as well. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, he then wants you to be instrumental in other people becoming baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you 
receive uh, divine healing, physical healing. He then wants you to be instrumental in, he said, you'll lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So anything that God does, you know, for you, he ultimately wants to do uh, through you. And, and so that's, see, that's kingdom. You know, th this is the great adventure. This is the, 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 the ambassador uh, aspect of, of Christianity, 2 Corinthians 5. So um, you, you, here's, an, here's another way, and uh, sometimes a simple question I can turn into a 20-minute uh, whatever. You know, it's 520 now, but anyway, um, is, is that is discipleship, right? I mean, once, a, once someone is born again, how, how can they ever grow if they do not grow in what Jesus taught us about the kingdom, in the principles of the kingdom, does that make sense? Or was that our assignment is to build the kingdom, and um, and so you know, as disciple makers, you know, it takes one to make one. Jesus didn't say go make converts; he said go make disciples of all nations. And so you know, we we have to commit ourselves to the discipleship process if we're ever going to be in a position to to be used by God. Um, to make disciples of other men and women. Praise God. All right, let's go to Isaiah 44 and 7 now. Isaiah 44 and 7, God speaking. He says, And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come. Let them show these to them. And so we see um, three, uh, I think, pretty important things here. Who can proclaim as I do? The King James Version says, who can call as I do? So we see these three words. We see proclaim or call. So let's just simplify it. Call. And then we see declare. And then we see set it in order. Call, declare, set it in order. I'm going to say that a couple more times, okay? Call, declare, set it in order. Call, declare, and set it in order. Now, we began last class in Matthew 16, and then we also quoted Matthew 18, Matthew 16 and 19, Matthew 18 and 18, where Jesus said, he's given to you and to me the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So um, <clears throat> we, we're talking about taking initiative here. We're talking about... Um, using the authority that we have as representatives, as ambassadors of God's kingdom uh, to do the work of the ministry. And now we come back to Isaiah 44, 7, where he's telling us to call as he does. Ephesians 5, 1 says that we should be imitators of God as dear children. A lot of people look at this and they think, well, that's just talking about God. And God's just saying, look, who do you think you are to try to do this or be like me? Well, we see in scripture that he absolutely wants us to uh, be uh, like him. So let's look real quick like, when we talk about calling, who can call as I do? Um, when God calls things, he calls things that be not as though they were. And we find this in Romans 4 and 17. So Romans 4 and 17, it says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Anybody know who he's speaking to here? He's speaking to Abraham. He's made Abraham the father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So God calls things that do not exist as though they do exist. God calls things that are not as though they are. Now, if you're going to walk and live by faith, you're going to have to adjust the way you talk about things. Now, a lot of people, I don't want to go too far down this road because, I mean, there's a lot, faith is a big subject, 
But this is such a key aspect of our operating in faith. In the next section, um, we're going to look at uh, several important qualities that you possess as a man or a woman created in the image and likeness of God. Because you've been created in the image and likeness of God, you possess certain characteristics, certain qualities, we could say attributes, abilities, things that you possess because you were created in the image and likeness of God, um, and, and so therefore you have these abilities. And one of those abilities is your ability to speak, your ability to speak. And what, we're, what we see in Scripture is that um, the words that come out of your mouth chart the course that your life follows, that you can never change the direction of your life unless you, by the Holy Spirit of God, allow Him to help you change what you're saying about your life, what you're saying about yourself. So, again, your, the words of your mouth chart the course that your life follows. God says that you can have what you say, but most of his people won't quit saying what they have, right? So, it's so easy, for instance, the Bible says, let the weak man say, I'm strong. It's so easy for the weak man to complain and whine and gripe and moan about how weak he is, okay? As a matter of fact, think about it this way. It requires zero faith for a man or a woman who's feeling or experiencing weakness to actually say out of their mouth, I'm weak. There's, it takes no faith to do that, right? But the Word of God says, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. The, 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 the Word of the Lord says, right, that we're strong in Him. And so we can either say what we're experiencing or we can say what God says about us. We can call things that are not as though they are. We can say that we are because God says that we are. Remember, I've told you all along, I'll tell you again, it bears repeating multiple times, do not take the Word of God and water it down to match your experience. If the Word of God says you're strong and you're feeling weak, don't start trying to explain away how the Word of God doesn't mean that and it's, it's not for today or it's not for you. See, no, we're just bringing the Word of God down to match our experience. If the Word of God says you're strong and you're feeling weak, amen, then you need to believe and say about yourself what the Word says about you. This is how we release faith. God calls things that be not as though they were, things that do not exist. He speaks of them as if they do. That's why he didn't tell Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations, okay? He said, I have made you the father of many nations. God said, I have made you the father of a multitude before he was ever the father of a single one, okay? But Abraham kept talking about going to be, going to be, going to be until he realized one day that God didn't say you're going to be a father, you are a father. And so when, when Abraham got his, his heart and mind in alignment with what God said about him, Abraham, his name was Abram or Abram, he changed his name to Abraham. You know what Abraham means? It means father of a multitude, father of, of nations. So he changed his name to, to father of nations. Uh, can you imagine like when people call you, hey, Abram, don't call me that anymore. Call me father of a multitude. They're like, dude, are you serious? You're an old man and don't have any children, right? But notice what is he doing? He's saying about himself what God said about him. He's saying about himself what God said. God said he was. It didn't look like he was. Outwardly, he had no evidence to support that he was, but faith is the evidence. Are you, are you with me? See, it's a slippery slope, man. We start talking about faith. This, I can go into auctioneer mode really, really quick, like, okay? So you call things that be not as though they were. Let me, Romans 8 asks us a very important question, okay? You ready? What will you say to these things? 
words, whatever you're facing right now in your life, whatever you're dealing with right now in your life, whatever it is that if you let it, it would keep you from sleeping tonight, okay? What are you saying about that? That is such an important question, right? Because so many times, not only do we say what the problem is, listen, I'm guilty, I'm not proud of this, but we will actually exaggerate the problem. We, we, we will not only talk about the problem or the circumstance or the symptom or the situation, we will exaggerate it and, and build it up and make it out to be bigger than it actually is. See, again, this, we're falling into the devil's trap, right? That doesn't mean, he didn't say that um, we call things that be as though they are not. In other words, he, denial, that's denial, okay? You know, to say that, you know, if you got a fever to say, no, I don't have a fever, that's not faith. Faith is, yeah, I've got a fever, but by his stripes I was healed. And if I was healed, I am healed, and I believe I'm healing. And so you, you get in agreement with me. You follow what I'm saying? It's not, you don't have to, it doesn't mean denying that you have a problem, but it's confessing what God said about your situation. Let me keep going here. Then we've got declare. Who can call as I do? Who can declare? Now this is interesting here because what God says in Job 22 uh, and 8 is, you also will declare a thing, and it will, be, it will be established for you. It will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. All right? So notice he says, declare a thing, and it will be established for you. Declare a thing, and it will be established for you. Now, we've covered this as well in previous classes. But the Bible says that we have been given the Holy Spirit like Jesus, as members of the body of Christ, we've been given the Holy Spirit without measure. Now listen to me very carefully, okay? In the Old Testament, we see three offices. We see the office of the king, the office of the prophet, and the office of the priest. And each of those offices um, were given a measure or a portion of God's Spirit, all right, that went with that office. In other words, it was empowerment, we can think of it this way, from heaven upon the men who occupied those offices, even in some cases women who occupied those offices, it empowered them to do what God needed them to do in that office. So that's why we see the prophets doing you know, these, these miracles and signs and wonders and, and the priests and the king and all these other things, right? So what we see, of course, in David, King David, right, is that he was a, a precursor to Jesus because King David was the first man to operate and be anointed in all three of the offices. We think of him offices. We think of him as a king, but he also served as a prophet and he also served in the role of a priest. Of course, Jesus came, right, as the ultimate uh, king, priest, and prophet. You still with me? Yes? And so the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was given without measure to Jesus. Remember Elijah. And then his understudy, Elisha. Anybody remember those, those cats, right? Those guys, okay. Um, what did Elisha say? He said, I want a double measure of the anointing, the, a double portion of the Spirit that is upon you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit would come upon King David and he would start to dance. The Holy Spirit is not just upon you and me. As born-again believers, the portion of, of, of God's Spirit that would come upon those men, the, the Holy Spirit himself now lives inside of us, right? And he springs forth from within us and will then come upon us and anoint us, I feel him right now, praise God, to do what it is that God has called us to do in these situations and, and in these moments. 
So we see in the Old Testament uh, individual offices of king, priest, and prophet. But in the New Testament, the Bible says this of you and me, that we are now a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are kings and priests unto our God, that we have been anointed in these specific areas. So what does a priest do? A priest, I'm going to simplify it for you, but a priest represents or speaks to behalf of other people. Represents or speaks to God on behalf of other people. So if you've ever prayed for somebody else, as that's called an intercessor, right? Then you are operating in the role of a priest. You are going before God, not for yourself, but for somebody else. Now, a prophet flips the script. A prophet speaks on God's behalf to people. So a priest speaks to God on behalf of people. A prophet speaks to people on behalf of God. Amen. What does a king do? Well, a king rules. But when it comes to, to this whole idea of speaking, a king has been given authority by God to declare a matter, to make a declaration. Okay? So as royal priests... We are anointed by God to declare things. Do you see what he's saying when he says, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you allow on earth, whatever you refuse to allow on earth, having already been refused, having already been released, allowed in heaven, it will be allowed or it will be refused, rejected on earth. This is, sometimes I teach those things and people who have never heard anything about this, it almost like, you know, just overwhelms them at, 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 you know, how it's like, I know when I first started hearing this, you know, many years ago, I'm like, how, how have I read the Bible, the New Testament, and not seen this before? But this is not just a one or two verse thing. We see it all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament. So he says, you, sh you will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you. Now, let's go back into U.S. history, and there's a really important document in the history of this nation, it's called the Declaration of Independence. This is where we see, um, you know, the colonists uh, issued a formal document to, uh, to England, uh, and we declared ourselves free. Amen. And to that declaration, those men who signed it pledged their, their lives, their honor, and um, their, their, let's say, their lives their sacred honor and their fortunes. I, I may be, anybody remember the exact wording? I used to know what, this sounds close anyway, something like that. Basically, I'll die to, to enforce it. Um, I'll go bankrupt if I have to, and my honor is on the line here, is what they were saying. So notice now, they declared a matter, <laughs> but then they had to fight tooth and toenail, right, to establish it. It's one thing to declare it. It's another thing for it to actually become established, right? So, but notice what God is saying. God is saying for you to declare it and he'll establish it for you. This is how faith works, okay? So again, what in your life do you need to see established, you know? Uh, are, what are you declaring? What declarations are you making, right? Are you declaring yourself free indeed? Are you declaring yourself um, a child of God. Are you declaring? Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? See, it's the declarations uh, that, that we strategically make in life. All right, then the final one is this idea um, of set it in order. Who will call, who will declare, and who will set it in order? 
Um, I'm going to come back online here. I, I, I'm swapping back and forth. Uh, you guys can't, I don't think, see it out there. But um, let me come back to the camera uh, for just a, a second, okay? Um, when, we, when we talk about setting in order, when we talk, talk about calling and declaring, I, I want to remind you of, of how many times in the Old Testament that we find God um, practically begging people to pray. Um, as a matter of fact, we, we see where he looked to and fro uh, to try and find someone on the earth who would intercede, someone in the earth who would partner with him to see his will carried out in the earth. And yet he, he could not find uh, anyone who would pray or who would, who would intercede or, or who would work together with him to see his kingdom come and his will being done on the earth. This is why when he prophesied about Jesus coming, he said, I will provide for myself an intercessor. Lord, I'm fixing, I'm fixing to send my son to become a man, and I'll have me an intercessor then. I'll have somebody who takes what's going on on this earth seriously and, and, and will pray and intercede to see my will carried out. I, I'm, I'm going to get to this in greater detail, but this idea that everything that happens on, on earth is somehow God's will is, is one of the biggest lies the devil's ever told the church. And unfortunately, that lie is preached and perpetuated by a whole lot of God's ministers. But the reality of it is all kinds of things happen every day on this planet that are absolutely not God's will. And there are all kinds of things that God does desire and will to happen that do not happen, right? That's why the Bible says we've got to understand the will of God. We've got to do the will of God. If, if everything that happened was God's will, then why is it necessary for us to try to seek out and discern what is his will and what is not his will? Um, but the Bible says you've got to be able to discern the will of God. You've got to know this is his will and that's not his will. If, if everything that happens is the will of God, then we don't need any discernment, right? We just need to lay back and let it happen. Um, but no, that's not, that's not what's going on here, okay? So this brings us to this, to this final um, aspect of these things. Call, declare, and then he says, set it in order. And for this one, I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. Genesis 1 and 28. Amen. Now, we are um, we're going kind of fast here. Praise God. Are y'all okay? Everybody good? Okay. All right. So set it in order. Genesis 1 and 28, it says this. Then God blessed them, and the them that he blessed, right, is, uh, is God created man. Um, he uses uh, plural pronouns here uh, for man because, well, we'll get to that later. Right now there's just one entity adam uh but he has both male and female uh, attributes in him and we know of course that god's going to put him to sleep and take everything out of him that's female and then join them back together in this thing that god designed called marriage but let's just keep it simple for now then god blessed them and said to them be fruitful and multiply the other reason he used them is that this goes for you and me as well thank you holy spirit he's not just talking about adam or adam and eve He's talking about humankind, okay, mankind. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Later we're going to see that our authority extends to everything that God made with his hands, right? everything that God created. So that would include devils and demons, amen, in other words, uh, God created them, and he gave you and me authority over them. Now, when God says be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth 
and subdue it. Let me try to quickly bring you up to speed on this, all right? And, and this is, again, a lot of confusion for a lot of people surrounding um, what this all means, okay? When God created what we know as the Garden of Eden, the entire earth did not look like the Garden of Eden. The Bible says that he spoke into the darkness. Remember, at this point, the earth um, was not as we know it right now. The earth was flooded. It was covered in water. And it was dark. And the wording in the Hebrew, it's kind of rhyme, so it makes it easy to remember. When it says, was without form and void, uh, and darkness covered the face of the deep, those uh, Hebrew adjectives are tohu and bohu, T-O-H-U-B-O-H-U, tohu, bohu. No test on that. But what those words mean is that it was chaos. Nothing, there was no order. There, there, was, there was no purpose. It, it, it was, it, we could just say it this way, it was a mess, all right? It wasn't a hot mess, it was a flooded mess. Um, and, and so uh, in this darkness, in this chaos, the Bible says the Holy Spirit's now hovering over that. And the Holy Spirit is waiting for God to speak. And God speaks into the darkness. And anybody remember what he says? Let there be light. Exactly. Not a trick question. He says, let there be light. And Psalms tells us that the entrance of God's word brings light. So if you could understand, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm going way, way, way back to the beginning, but there's so many things that we will understand better present tense if we understand how all this got started and what happened when it got started. So God speaks into the darkness, and he says, let there be light. And I like to try to use it this way, or explain it this way. If you can imagine, it's almost like his words, two-edged sword, right? They cut into the darkness, and they push back the darkness, and they create an envelope of light. It didn't vanquish the darkness. In other words, there was still darkness, and I don't just mean physical darkness. It pushed back the physical darkness. It pushed back the demonic darkness, okay? Pushed all of that back. And then in that envelope, God created the Garden of Eden. If you read the Bible carefully, the Garden of Eden had dimensions. It had limited dimensions. And then once he created that garden and everything in it was good and then very good, he put Adam and then Eve in that, in that garden. But he told them to take what was in that garden and fill up the earth with it, okay? Fill up the earth with it. He told them to be fruitful and multiply. We, we hear that and we only think that means have babies. It does mean have babies, but having babies is only one small portion of what God means when he tells them to be fruitful and to multiply. Amen? Yeah. Amen. All right. So he also said then fill the earth. Now, there's a lot that we can understand if we go to the original language here. When he said, fill the earth, what, what he literally said in the Hebrew is he told them to replenish the earth. To replenish the earth. Yes? Is he saying to plant a tree? So, obviously, to tend the garden, right? To, to take what's in that and to, and to plant and to grow. What we got, and I don't want to get too, like, way, way out there for you guys and gals, but listen, listen to me, please, okay? Our God is a conquering spirit. He, he is a creator. Um, he, he loves to build and develop and improve. He loves to take 
uh, the wastelands and make them like the Garden of Eden again. Um, and there's something in us, right, this pioneering, uh, you know, spirit, so to speak, that, that wants to grow, develop, advance, push the envelope, explore, so forth and so on. All of this comes to us because God was, was created in that way. And, and so, just so that you'll know, um, the Bible says there's coming a day when the glory of God covers this earth like the waters cover the sea, and the knowledge of God will cover this earth, okay? So there's coming a day when this whole earth, right, is, is, is going to reflect uh, the goodness and glory of God. I like to say it this way. The love, love will one day rule this planet, okay? It doesn't, it doesn't rule this planet right now, but it's coming a day when love will rule this planet. So he's saying, take what's in this garden and expand it, all right? Now, remember what Jesus said. Think with me now. Remember what Jesus said, some of his last words before um, he literally left this planet to go ascend to the throne of the universe. He told his disciples what? Go into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. So notice, it's basically a reissuing of, of, the, of the mandate that was given in Genesis. To go, to go tell people, to go take the love of God, the wonderful news of God, the, the wisdom of God, uh, the, the love of God. Take it to people, spread it uh, you know, out uh, around uh, you know, the world, so to speak. All right. so, when he's, so I said all that to say that what, Replenish the earth. Let's replenish the earth, and then he says, and subdue it. Now that's important, right there. Subdue it. Okay. So um, I'm being silly, but let's let's imagine for a moment that somebody came through that door over there, and um, and they were, uh, you know, trying to uh, somehow attack one of our ladies. All right. Uh, I'm looking at, you know, mostly men on this side, although, Amy, you're a mama bear, right? You know, uh, in other words, what's the point? The point is um, we would not sit there and let somebody attack um, one of those women. We would what? We would subdue the threat. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, we, I'm not saying we would, you know, inflict harsh violence, but we would not. In other words, what's happened? Something's gotten out of order. You, you see what I'm saying? Something that shouldn't be. An injustice is taking place, okay? And, and, and there's something in us that says, uh-uh, not, not, not while I'm here, okay? We, we're going we're gonna to do something about this. See, we've been, when it says God blessed them, um, we will do a blessing overview at some point, like we did a kingdom overview. But, you know, we think of the blessing as something we say over our food right quick or something that somebody says after they sneeze. And, and listen to me, please. The blessing of the Lord is a supernatural empowerment from heaven upon mankind to carry out um, the, the instructions and in, in, in the purposes of God for your life. And so when he blessed them, right, he blessed them, he empowered them to operate in these five mandates. I call these the five royal mandates. Fate, fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Okay, now I'm, I'm still, man, I thought we could do this in about 10 minutes and now we're already uh, 47 minutes into it. That's okay. You guys are pulling this out of me. Somebody, I think everybody, at least somebody's in here, you need, you needs to hear this, okay? And I, because I, I, again, you, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get like spooky on you, but, but, because um, there's a lot of people listening to me right now in this room and online 
Um, you're, you're called to teach. You're called to preach the, the, the gospel. And you need to know that um, it's what the Bible calls utterance. And, and that's kind of a, a, maybe a word that we don't use a lot. But utterance is, is when the Holy Spirit is giving you the words to say and the words to speak. And, and that's one of the reasons I get so excited about people in the room. Because um, <clears throat> people uh, who are hungry and want to know the truth... Uh, they draw on a gift that God uh, gave me in my mother's womb uh, to teach people the truth. And, and it, it's, I can literally feel people pulling things out of me. I know that sounds odd. I'm not trying to get spooky on you. Um, so, you know, we get on a subject and it's like, okay, man, you just get lost in it, you know, because there's, there's uh, so much here. Uh, but remember, see, we, we live in a religious climate. Everybody's talking about what God allows. You know, he said, whatever you allow. So we, we, we love to point all the fingers at God um, without ever understanding our responsibility uh, and, and, you know, where this earth is concerned, our lives are concerned. Um, and so when he, when he told them to fill the earth and subdue it, so, you know, uh, Satan comes strolling up to the, to the you know, Garden of Eden. Um, who had the authority to subdue him? Who had the authority to, to, to set that in order? He got out of line. And he needed somebody to put him in his place, right? But instead of, instead of Adam and Eve putting him in his place, they listened to him and, and let him, uh, you know, have place uh, in their life. See, you put him in his place or he's going to manipulate you into giving him. The Bible says give no place to the devil. And so they gave him place by listening to him and, and considering what he had to say and then listening to him more. And the next thing you know, they're listening to him and doing what he says instead of listening to God and doing what God says, but there was a threat that presented itself, and it should have been set in order. It should have been subdued. Amen. Yes, sir. Say it again. The five mandates. They're right here in Genesis 1 and 28. Let me put it back on the screen. So be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, or I like replenish the earth. I keep coming back to that when I got a comment on replenish. I'll be right back to it, okay? <laughs> Fill the earth, replenish the earth, the same thing. Replenish is a better translation there. And then sub, sub, uh, sub, have dominion. Have dominion. Um, think about it this way. Um, Father God knew that there were threats, okay? That's why he empowered Adam and Eve and has empowered us now as his children, his ambassadors, to take care of those spiritual threats. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So, yes, so that, those of you who are watching online, I'm trying to remember, did I say your question? So, first question was, what are the five royal mandates again? And then a couple of different people are commenting about free will, and certainly there's a choice here. Absolutely. Pro, you know, perfect time here. Should have said it myself, so thank you all for saying it. So it absolutely comes back to a choice that, that they made. Yes? Yeah, that free will. I was thinking about that submissive will kind of visually with the, the parable of the weeds and the weeds where they were letting sin take its course. You know, you can't really yeah. And I mean, so the question was like the parable where, you know, the, the weeds were growing up with the, with the good wheat and, you know, how do you separate, you know, those things. Um, when, it, when it comes to our hearts, 
Um, we, we have to be the gatekeeper. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, again, there's a whole section on this coming, but you know, the Psalms say, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Gates don't have heads. He's talking about you and me. We're, we become the gatekeeper back to you know, keys and gates and gates of hell and what we allow, what we refuse. Uh, the keys represent um, access, both allowing access but denying access. Um, if you have a key, uh, I know some of you in here are, are leaders uh, in the ministry that you represent, and so you have keys to things that other people don't have keys to. And, um, and so you can open it and allow access to it, or you can lock it and deny access to it. And so th that is all you know, a, a tie into these things. Um, and you know, so obviously, you know, the, the devil you know, wants to try in confusion. Jesus identified for, you know, for us, he said it's the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life, and a desire for other things are the, the main weeds, if you will, that the devil tries to get planted in our lives, in our hearts, to grow up and choke out um, what God is doing in our lives. And how many times have I seen it? How, how many times have I seen people leave the foundry because they had to go make money for their, foundry, for their family? Well, I, I mean, I understand that, but you know, if, if, you, if, you go, if you leave to go make money for your family and uh, relapse in six weeks, well then, <laughs> you know, yeah. So it, it, it's back to those double binds and, 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 and those sorts of things. So again, cares this life, that's, that's another huge one. And, and if, if we meditate on those things, water those things, feed those things, then they will also uh, grow up in our lives. Let me, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I don't mean to be rude, okay, because we could spend the rest of our time together on this. Uh, so if you want to talk to me about it later, I'll be happy to. But I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, it's kind of like talk radio hosts, you know, they, one, one person calls in with one question about, racism or abortion or something like that and then the whole you know that goes the whole show you know um, so I'm not I'm not want to do that to you but somebody's wanting to hear this and need to hear this so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna back up to it when, when he said replenish the earth um, if if you believe that the earth is only a few thousand years old that's okay we, we can go to heaven together um, but uh, you know not to offend anybody or get you to, you know, like turn your computer or television or whatever off right now. Uh, but I, I absolutely do not believe that. Um, I, I believe that just as there is a purpose for this planet after the purpose that we're experiencing right now, and we know that that's the case, things will not always be as they are right now on this planet, okay? Um, I don't believe that things have always been as they are right now on this planet. Um, I believe that the Bible teaches that there was a flood before Noah's flood. God did not create this earth flooded in, in, a, in chaos. Uh, that's not how he does things. Um, I believe that there were uh, beings and life forms and all that on this earth created by our God uh, before um, us. Um, if you think about it, um, even angels, you know, um, God has dealt with, and I get emotional on this one right here, um, but just about everything God has created has rebelled against him, you know, and, uh, and he's, he's nothing but love, he's nothing but good, and it never has been anything but good, never will be anything but good, um, and um, 
we see on different occasions, even in the scripture. Remember where God was about ready to just uh, wipe everybody out and start over, uh, and he found Noah, and then he was about ready to wipe everybody out and start over, and, um, and, and Moses interceded and said, hold on, God, wait a second now, you know. And, uh, and so, I, you know, we, we see in the days of Noah, the Bible says this. You think, you think man, I just don't understand a merciful God and, and, and a flood. Well, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that every thought in every heart was only evil continually. Every thought in every heart was only evil continually. In other words, humanity was lost. There, there, was, there was no semblance of God, no thought of God, no, no concern for God. And so listen to me now. We're, we're seeing a lot of that happen in our world today. We, we, you know, we, we praise God. Now, I, listen to me. I, I don't believe, you know, he said it won't be water next time. Next time it's going to be, it's going to be fire. Yeah. And his people are going to be out of here. And there was that. But anyway, um, so I, I believe that, and, and there are clues. Listen, I know for some people this is too simple of an answer. God understands laws of physics that we haven't even discovered yet because he designed them. Um, science isn't about trying to disprove there is a God. Science is discovering um, things that God has done and created and, and has known all along that we're just now understanding and figuring out. Um, I'm not the smartest man in any room, uh, but I am a thinker, and I'll tell you that straight up. And um, I do not like the, the idea of Christianity that if you're going to believe in Jesus and the Bible that you have to check your brain at the door and just pretend like that, none, that there's no such thing as, as fossils that are millions of years old and, and things of this nature. Um, and then they say, well, but God made them look to be that old just to fool us. God's not a, God's not a deceiver. Are you, that, you know, that, that just never played. And, and so to me, uh, you know, there, there was a purpose for this earth um, before God created Adam and started over uh, with Adam. And this is a, a clue uh, that as much as I like the New King James Version of the Bible is lost in this when he says fill up the earth because the actual terminology is to replenish, is to replenish. So like I noticed some of you, and it's fine obviously, um, you know, have drinks in here. Well, if, if, if your cup uh, becomes empty, and you would like to go to the water fountain and replenish it, right? Then what does that mean? That means that you're putting back into it something that was there before. Are you understand what I'm saying? So when he says replenish the earth, you're like, well, so replenish. You understand what that communicates uh, as opposed to um, plant the tree, right? So um, if that, you know, for some folks, and this is the way good answers work, you know, if, especially if you've believed something your whole life just because that's what you were told um, and you've never really thought it out for yourself. But, you know, when you have like a really tangled up ball of string and you're trying to unravel it, you know, the first thing you need to do is you need to find an end and start pulling it. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's, you know, one of the ways that you know, I try to understand things. And I'll be honest with you, for years and years and years, I would, I would never say these things like when they were recorded or being broadcast or anything like that because I'm not trying to confuse people. Um, if, you know, 
for me to be able to preach something as, as Bible doctrine, I need to be able to show it to you three places in the scriptures. Um, I mean, I could get close to that uh, requirement, um, but, you know, like in when he says the world that then was, again, some people think that's just, you know, who disagree with me think that I'm just trying to stretch something to fit there. So it's not a, a, a clear um, uh, explanation of these things. But I think it's perhaps the only answer. I, I don't want <clears throat> to remember God's not a man. And, and I know that we, he wants us to understand him and relate to him as a man. Mankind was created in God's image and likeness. When you see him one day, he's going to look like you. He's got you know, two hands and a thumb and four fingers on both hands and all these other things, right? Um, but he's not a man. And we're, you understand what I mean? God, God is uncreated. He's always been and he always will be. And see, our brains don't know what to do with that because the only way our brain can understand something is, is to experience it. And since everything our brains have ever experienced, our, our being, our bodies ever experienced, physically, so to speak, has had a beginning or will have an ending. And, and you know, we don't know what to do mentally, intellectually, with the concept of that which has no beginning and has no ending. God has always been. If he's always been, we're talking about hundreds of millions of years. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you follow what I'm saying? Uh, and, and that even scratched the surface. I mean, always. Not like, okay, if you could imagine one trillion years ago, that's when God started. No, he's always been and he always will be. And, and I'm not trying to get you like too deep in the thought, um, but maybe uh, as you drift off to sleep tonight, you'll let the Holy Spirit help you consider some of these things. But the major flaw with every theory of our existence outside of a divine creator is that all, all of those come to a brick wall that they can't get past. And that is, something has to have always been. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, if you believe that, that you know, a bunch of stuff exploded, well, okay, where did the stuff that exploded come from? Okay, and I'm not trying to be like give like you know third grade uh, creationism answers to these things, but again, that, that's a question that I think we really need to answer. If if um if if we were to just like look at a painting of a waterfall, okay, a painting of a waterfall, what do we have? We have one microscopic snapshot of a vast creation, but I'm just talking about a painting of one scene of, of this creation. There's not a person in this room that I could ever convince that that painting painted itself. <laughs> now, I, 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 you know, I can just tell you, look, it just, it took billions of years and it took a whole lot of wind and all this other stuff, but eventually that beautiful painting of that waterfall painted itself. See, there's not a person in this room that I could ever convince that that waterfall painted itself, but listen to me now. The actual waterfall is not a still shot. It's actually in motion, teeming with life, working its way through multiple seasons. It, it sometimes, uh, you know, it, it explodes with heavy rainfall. It sometimes reduces to a trickle uh, during seasons of drought. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? It's, it's a living, breathing, moving, physical matter thing that you can touch. But yet we believe that that somehow created itself when we would never believe a painting of that thing created itself. Are you, are you, see, I mean, I, 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 I've done a lot of thinking on this stuff, as you can see. And I, I, this is why I was kind of 
trying to stay away from, when we, when we talked about the Earth traveling at a, at a precise 67,000 miles an hour to make it all the way around the, 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 the sun, and, and, and all these different things, you know, life on this Earth, life on this planet, if you understand the physics and, and the biology and, and, and the astronomy and all that that's involved in this, life on this Earth is balanced on a razor's edge. Um, I've, it, this didn't originate with me, and I'm right now the name of the man who explained it this way is escaping me. But he said, if you can imagine a row, I think it's like 30 dials. Okay, di you understand dials? Like there's a bunch of buttons on this soundboard, and uh, I'm not blaming anybody, but somebody has messed with some of them, and I don't. It's still, I'm not getting sound out of this, right? So, but if you can, if you can imagine 30, and that's, I'm just making 30 because it's, it's, it's simple to do, okay? It's actually way more than that. Um, and, and each of those settings uh, having numbers of one to a thousand, again, it's more than that, but I'm just trying to make it simple. Um, and every one of those dials has to be on the exact number. And if one of them is off, then, then life is not possible on this planet. And we're just to believe that somehow wind or monkeys or tadpoles, um, you know, brushed up against those dials long enough until they all dialed in uh, to the right settings so that we can have life here. And then life created itself because life just does that. You, know, you see what I'm saying? In other words, this is why the Bible says that, that in the end, you know, God's divine uh, power is obvious and that anyone who denies his existence has no excuse. They're without excuse. And so, um, you know, this stuff is, is real. God is real. Um, he has no beginning. He has no ending. Amen. And, um, and there's just a whole lot about him that we don't know and don't understand yet. The Bible's not a book of creation. Let's go back to it. This is where I was a minute ago. The Bible's not a book of creation. It's a book of redemption. Um, God understands laws of physics that we haven't discovered yet, but he didn't bother to put those in the 66 books that he made available to us. He could have. He could have explained all that to us. I believe anything that anybody's understood about it, they, they, it's because God chose to reveal it to them. Um, you know, how about, how about this one? You know, this iPad in front of me, right? You see, I, I like technology, if you haven't figured that out by now. Um, and, um, <clears throat> but you realize that human beings dug stuff out of the earth and, and made this. Now that's, that's phenomenal to me. I could push a few buttons and be talking to one of our pastors in Nairobi and seeing his face on this right now. And look, Ma, no hands. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's not even hooked up to anything. Are you, are you kidding me, right? Okay, so let, let's watch this though now. I don't just want to know the men and women who made this iPad. I want to know the God who created a man or a woman who could create an iPad. You see? You see? Now, um, I have a little puppy that I really like. Um, he'll be at church here in a minute. Some of you have seen Colonel. And um, it's a long story how the Lord blessed us with that little, little fella. And I tell him all the time, I say, the same God that created me created you. And it's true. I believe that. And he's smart. And I'm going to tell you, that is, that is one smart puppy. 
um, true story, we hadn't had him but maybe four years, and um, I am in the floor playing with him, and I had given him this little treat, and he'd rather play than, uh, than eat his treat. And so we were playing, and he'd run in around me, and we was having a good time, and I'm kind of down on his level, and all of a sudden, he sees the treat. True story, I'm telling you. He goes and he gets that treat. He brings it over about this far from my face. He gnaws off a piece of it. It falls on the ground in front of me, and he backs up about four feet and starts eating the rest. Aww. That dog shared his treat with me. You know what I mean? Do what now? He's a Yorkie, a little York Sartarian. Yeah. Uh, I, acted like, I acted like I did, no joke. I acted like I did because I'm like, this is a special moment right here, you know, uh, in, 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 in my life. So here's the thing, okay? That, uh, that dog's smart, but he's not as smart as me. Are you following what I'm saying? He's smart, but he's not as smart as me. I, I, you know, if his intelligence is here, then my intelligence is here. How arrogant is it for us to think that there can't be a being whose intelligence is here. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? In, in other words, you know, for us, to, it was, well, I'm, I'm smarter than a possum, and I'm smarter than a, than a dog, and I'm smarter than this. Okay, yeah, well, that's, that, that's fair enough. So how hard is it then for us to believe that the source of all intelligence, are you, are you following what I'm saying? That there's no search in his understanding, that he can take his, his pinky and his thumb and measure out a place to hang the earth in the universe. Come on now. Whew. So, it's not a book of creation. We know that there are trillions of stars. And what we used to think were stars are actually not stars at all, they're galaxies. You hear about us discovering a new star. Well, we didn't, it's not, it's not like we had overlooked it. It's just taken it that long for its light to finally get to us, for us to see it. You know what God says about all those stars in his account of creation? And he made the stars also. You see, it's, he knows them all. But the Bible is not about the stars. It's about the stars of God, the offspring of God. It's about you and me. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? And so he, I asked him one time, I'm like, Father, you know, what? all this stuff you know that would answers that we need and this was the best answer that I that I think I've heard from him on this he said I could have explained it all to you he says but you'll never understand it till you understand it by faith by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God Hebrews 11 and and so all that information that we think would would finally satisfy us you know um, let's go back to that simple painting <laughs> you know if, if I'm walking on a deserted beach with my wife and I come across scribbled in the sand, uh, Mark loves Pam, I don't, I don't think the waves did that. I'm looking around to see who knows I'm here. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? In other words, and yet, you know, when we start talking about it, we'll get into DNA in the days ahead. And, and what, what, you know, because literally your physical body is, is a code. I mean, it's... it's you know, there's, there's actually a, a four-letter sequence that determine the color of your eyes, the shape of your fingernails. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a fascinating thing. But to believe that somehow all of that just randomly fell into place, um, 
Amen or oh me. Praise God. 611. Let me get some water here. <laughs> Replenish it. See, again, it's, it's, it was in there before. I re he was waiting on that, weren't you? That's good. Uh, 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 yeah, there are famous last words, right? Um, I run into people more frequently more frequently than, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe not more frequently than you would imagine, but people who've known God and God has worked in their lives and done amazing things in their lives for years who are um, questioning. Um, I just had a lady send me a, a text. She probably doesn't know that I can see text. She says, evolve since I've been a part of it. I wish I could be there. Um, I don't know how many times this sister took this class. Vicki, how many times? Is it seven or eight? I don't know. Praise God. Um, it has evolved, sister. The Lord's good. That's the way he is. So he's, he's always growing and developing and, and expanding. And, and so that also makes me feel good to know that the audio is working on the microphone. <laughs> kind of in the back of my mind is like nobody out there can hear anything you're saying. So I'm glad to know um, that... Uh, that you guys can, but it's amazing to me, people who know God, live for God, born again, God's work in their lives, done miracles in their lives, who later in life, not even sure he exists, not even sure there is a God, start questioning, right? And, um, you know, we can sit here and talk about all these deep spiritual things, but, you know, I think it helps us to, to really connect with um, you know, that we're not just, as Paul said, we're not just shadow boxing here. You know, we're not just making this up as we go along. And um, there's, a, there's a very real God who loves you, who knew you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, who had a purpose and a destiny for your life, who wrote every day of your life down in a book before you ever lived a single day. You say, well, why did you write this terrible story for me? No, 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 see, that's the story you wrote. The Bible says we all have done our own thing, gone our own way. Being born again and discipleship is about coming back to the plot line, right? The good story that God wrote um, for your life. I imagine it this way. If you could go to heaven, there's a library with an unimaginable number of volumes, books on the shelves. And somewhere on that shelf, there's a book, and on the spine of that book is your name. It's the book that God wrote about you before you ever were formed in your mother's womb. And here's the, here's the really cool thing about it, okay? <clears throat> if you could pull that book off the shelf and look through it tonight, and I could pull my book off that shelf and look through it tonight, um, I believe that you would find my name in your book, and I believe that I would find your name in mine. Amen. See, th this, this is, um, <clears throat> I read it recently where, you know, Martha was scurrying about the kitchen and all blowed up and angry at, at, at Mary, her sister, for not helping her. And notice, man, she chews Jesus out about it. Jesus, do you not care? That I'm doing all the work, you know, I mean, it's like, whoa, hold on, sister, slow your roll there for a second, right? But you know what Jesus said? He said, Mary has chosen the good part, and it'll never be taken away from her. 
See, you guys and gals, y'all could, y'all could be somewhere else doing something else tonight. But you chose the good part. I'm not talking about me. Now, listen to me now. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and His truth, right? So you chose the good part. And, 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 and it'll never be taken away from you. It's, it's something that God's doing. The Bible says in Malachi that when people get together and talk about him, that he records it in a book, a book of remembrance. You see, there's another library in heaven, and it's, it's the log, okay? <laughs> and, um, and I don't know, maybe because we're talking about it now, I imagine there will be other things that we'll be more interested in, at least for the first 100,000 years. But at some point, right, I believe we could go and pull a book that has, you know, earth date on it. 2-5-2021, Tove Boulevard. Every, every word that's been spoken in here, every person that's present, every person watching online, God records all of that in a book. I never fully understood that until I had children and, and we started recording things in a book about our children, right? Our first word, our first this, our first that. Um, my, my grandson, Oliver, and I know, amen, grandchildren are just this way. Um, I raised two very special children, but I'm telling you, that's a special young man. I have, um, I've never seen a two-year-old that's more advanced. L listen, are you ready for this? I'm sitting there, we're eating chicken nuggets, right? And he looks over at me and he says, Granddaddy. I said, yes, Oliver. He said, it's good to have good priorities. <laughs> I looked at him off, I said, what did he just say? You know. Um, and so you want to record things like that, right? Because it's special. You start saying it's special. It's, it's meaningful. It means something to me as a grandfather that my grandson said something like that. And so when I start understanding that, now I understand why when people get together and talk about the things of God, that God records it every single time. I mean, there could be hundreds of thousands, millions of people on planet Earth, other places at this same moment, and yet angels are writing it all down, recording it, right? It's special. So you overcame resistance to be here tonight. Because <laughs> the devil, devil don't want you doing this. He don't want you in this atmosphere. He doesn't want you hearing these things. He doesn't want you to be uh, inspired, challenged, motivated, um, fed, strengthened. No, he doesn't want any of that, right? Yeah, you start, yeah. He does, anything he can use. Any challenge he can use. Um, you know. But again, it's, this, is the, this is the good part. This is the eternal part. His words are spirit and life. And, and they're things that will uh, never be taken away from you. Praise God. Praise God. Um, amen. Psalm 138 and verse 2. I got 619. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 138 and verse 2. This is one you may want to, uh, to mark in your Bible. It's a very important verse. They're all important, but just for what it communicates to us. There are certain things that the Bible points to, hints at, implies, but then there are places that you find it 
where it's not hinted at or pointing to or implied, it's stated emphatically. And this is one of those verses that we see elements of this truth in other places, but here it is um, just clearly, plainly um, stated, okay? So Psalm 138 and verse number 2, God says this, um, or it says this about God, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Keep, and obviously all this is important, but the key phrase for the sake of our study today is that last one. For you have magnified your word above all your name. So what, what does that mean? Magnified his word above all his name. That means that anything God says, he makes himself subject to. He doesn't say, do as I say, not as I do. Anybody have parents that told you that, right? <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Well, see, that's someone who, who does not consider their word to be more important than their being or their life or, or what have you. So when the Bible says that God exalts his name, some translations, uh, this one says magnified, some says prefer, some say exalt. But the idea is that when God speaks, he doesn't just expect you to come under what he says, but he places himself under what he says. Now I'm going to go to an extreme here um, to try to illustrate what this means. But what he's saying is that if I don't honor my word, then I won't be God anymore because I'm putting my word above who I am. Um, now, why would he do such a thing? Or, or obviously, this is who he is. He's a God of integrity, holy, holy, holy. Dr. Miles Monroe explained holiness in, in the most practical way that I've ever heard it explained. He said that God being holy, holy, holy means that everything God thinks and everything God says and everything God does always lines up perfectly. In other words, he never thinks one thing, says another, and does a third. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of that, okay? But God is in this perfect alignment. So, so he obviously is holy and in, in, in a God of integrity and, and righteousness and all these other things. But think for a moment, why would he say it to us that way? It's because he wants us to know how seriously he takes his word. He wants us to understand that his word um, carries uh, the weight of his being, um, that he doesn't just say things flippantly or casually that he doesn't mean. That's what would qualify for you and me as an idle word. But God doesn't speak um, idle words. And I'm explaining this to you for a couple of reasons. One, so that you can understand the importance and the value of God's words to you and spoken over your life. Um, last week, for those of you who weren't here, as we were finishing up our, our discussion of the kingdom, we said that the most powerful thing in any kingdom is the word of the king. The most powerful thing in any kingdom is the word of the king. And your king, my king, 
he has had some things to say about you. He's had some things to say to you. Do you, do, first of all, do you know what he said? But do you understand that that's not just idle talk? Um, when he says that, he means it so much that he exalts it, he, he magnifies it, he considers it to be more important than his own existence is another way of saying that. Now, I want to ask you, uh, and for those of you who are on Sunday, we, we kind of went down this road a little bit on Sunday, but we see in different conversations that Jesus had with people, he said that you, like in one occasion, he said, you, you don't understand what I'm saying because my word has no place in you. No place in you. So when we talk about giving something place, think in terms of priorities. Let's go back to my grandson's words of wisdom, right? Okay. Your priority, your priorities are the, are the way that you, you know, rank things in order of importance or value, um, you know, in your life. So, you know, it's, it's one thing to give something, you know, like first place or second place, you know, it's like that important to you. Versus something that may, you know, if you get around to it before July, you know, uh, maybe 38th place in your life. So the Lord spoke something to me, I guess it was four years ago now. He said that my children are wanting me to do things in their lives that they have not given me place to do. That they've not given me place to do. And we see here the place that God gives his own words in his existence. My question for you and for myself tonight is, what place or preference do you give his words in your life? What place or preference do I give them in my life? In, um, in John 8 and 37, here's another uh, reference to this. Jesus said, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you if you've read the gospels you'll know that there were different places even with john the baptist where um <clears throat> jewish men and women biological descendants of abraham it, it was like you know i know this means something different in our day and age but maybe would also play a race card in other words the fact that they were of the jewish race and um but with a little bit different meaning um because they were of the jewish race they felt like that entitled them to things from god um, without any effort or desire or faith or whatever on their part partners just because they were and so when Jesus is trying to help these people, they become offended at him. You know, it's kind of like the, um, I hope I'm not, I know that, I don't want to get anybody upset tonight talking about these things, but it, it, they, they had the, uh, um, what's, the what's the way, kind of like their noses in the air, uppity, you know. It's like, um, uh, do you know who we are? You know, that, that kind of attitude. Well, that's what I mean by, yeah, the, 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 the Jewish race card, the way they would play that was they felt like they were entitled, they felt like they were above, they felt like they were better than, 
Um, they referred to everybody else as dogs. They referred to everybody else as less than human even. Um, and so when Jesus would try to help them, you know, they would, were easily, easily offended. Touchy, 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 defensive, defensive, defensive. And so Jesus would try to help them. And, you know, they would just immediately, you must not know who we are. We're descendants of Abraham. And Jesus said, look, I, I know you're descendants of Abraham. Okay. Um, but as a descendant of Abraham, you desire to kill me. And notice why. He says, because my word has no place in you. His word had no place in them because they gave his word no place in their lives. See, the word of God has whatever place you give it. Are you following me? Just like church attendance, it has whatever place you give it. Um, you decide what your priorities are. You decide what you treasure. You decide what, what you value. Um, and, and so <clears throat> when we talk about you know, all these things and the kingdom and the word of the kingdom and our king and how he views and prefers his word, then I think it's critically important for us to examine how we prefer it as well. Now, I got 629. Let's, um, <clears throat> praise God. Okay, that title said three questions, but I don't think we're going to make it again tonight. But we're, next week, <laughs> if that's what the Holy Spirit wants, amen, I'm not trying to. Um, let's finish up tonight in 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, praise God. Do you get anything out of this? Yeah, I think these classes got, you know, you, you, you start, it's a lot of things. One, when you, you know, when you're in a, um, you, know, you got the flesh and the spirit, and the Bible says these two are contrary to one another. And you, when you, you know, what, you know, like you've ever, if you've ever been in like a, I don't know, um, where you're bored, you know, and it's like, you know, it's like a 30-minute class took two hours, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, it's your flesh, right? Your flesh is graded and annoyed and these kinds of things. And um, it's spiritual warfare, you know, even can be involved in that. Uh, but that's one of the reasons why, you know, 5 o'clock on a Wednesday. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you who's, who's in attendance uh, in a class that meets at 5 o'clock on a Wednesday, okay? It's people who want to be there. It's people who, like maybe some of you, um, you had to choose class or supper, and you chose class. You, I mean, you, you follow what I'm saying, right? And, and so, you know, what's the, you know, separating the, the, the girls from the women, the men from the boys, you know? Um, so in a class like this, you, you basically have nobody, uh, nobody's here who doesn't want to be, okay? For the most part, <laughs> okay. um, uh, and and so it creates that uh, an environment and atmosphere, right? So then it's like when the you know spirit, you know, instead of flesh on top, spirit on bottom, it's you know when you get one of these, and it's just the Holy Spirit speaking to you and moving and all that stuff. It's almost like time stands still. You know, it's like you know you look up and it's like hour and thirty one minutes. It's like hour and a half really already you serious you know um so praise god um
Um, so I made a commitment at the beginning of the class to repeat or summarize what people were saying in the room, but I'm going to, not because it's, not um, we had an, we had an unnamed gentleman talk about his job uh, and how boring it was. Um, perhaps that's not your gift and calling in life, brother. You know really? Yeah, you know, I'm saying, because there, there, there are some people who, who enjoy that kind of work, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, um, but, uh, amen. Um, but sometimes, you know, learning to be content, that's what Paul said, it's one of the great lessons of life, that, see, if you never learn to be content with what you have, you'll never be content no matter how much you have. Amen. See what I'm saying? If, and so Paul learned to be content, you know, whether he was abounding or whether he was being imprisoned. Whatever state I find myself in, he said, I've learned to be content. And so I think that's a really, really valuable and even strategic lesson on some of those uh, job assignments and things, you know, where, okay, this is not, um, if, if, I, if I was going to go choose what I was going to do with my life for labor, this would not necessarily be it, but, you know, so. All right, 2 Corinthians 10, somebody's already said it again, so let's get there before we uh, wind down uh, this part anyway, praise God. So, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 10, we'll begin at verse number 3. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, he says, for though we walk in the flesh, and when it says walk, think about like just your daily life, step by step, moment by moment, day by day, okay? Um, for though we walk in the flesh, <coughs> excuse me, we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments, King James Version says imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And then he finishes with, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, we will circle back around to these verses when we get to the section about renewing our minds, right? But I wanted just to bring this up on the table now, and I think we've already in the earlier classes uh, mentioned as well. When he's talking about, first of all, a stronghold, a stronghold by definition is a pocket of resistance still held or controlled by an enemy, okay? A pocket of resistance still held or controlled by the enemy. If you remember in uh, Gulf War number two, um, we toppled over the big statue of Saddam Hussein. Our president landed on an aircraft carrier um, in a jet and we declared victory in Iraq, okay? And if you're listening to me right now and you were part of that, thank you for your service. But we also know that the war wasn't over because there were still areas, geographical territories within 
the boundaries of Iraq that were being controlled by people loyal to Saddam Hussein. And we had to go in and fight those pockets of resistance and, um, and ultimately you know, tear down those strongholds. So that, I think, is a, is a really good picture or description of what a stronghold is, except for the strongholds that he's talking about here are strongholds that still exist in our minds. This would be um, pockets of resistance or areas of our thinking that the enemy either still controls or is trying to control, okay? Now, he says that we walk in the flesh, but we do not war according to the flesh. So he's saying that we're in a fight, but it's, it's not a fight that you can win with a gun or a stick or a knife it, it, or a fist or a kick. It's, it, it's not that kind of fight. If it was that kind of fight, we would have fought it and won it long ago. But instead, it's a, it's a spiritual battle. But notice that the spiritual battle, and, and even like you know, demonic spirits and things of that nature, they know that they can't influence, much less control your life, unless they can influence and control your thinking. Because as a man or woman thinks in his or her heart, so is he, so is she. So he says we've got to cast down the arguments. Again, the King James Version translates that imaginations. I like both translations because it's imagined arguments. It's things that, that we uh, you know, imagine in our minds. Um, and so like, let's talk about like we, we spent unplanned but by us, but I think by the Holy Spirit, we talked some about creation uh, and God being our creator tonight <clears throat> in, in mind that says, you know, it's just, that can't be, you know, there's no way, you know, these, these kinds of things. Um, so an argument would be like if, if you say something's yellow and somebody else says it's blue, okay? <laughs> and so now you're arguing over who's right. So in this case, we see that the enemy tries to bring imagined thoughts that come to us in the form of arguments, arguing against the truth, arguing against what God has already declared, what God has already said about you, about your life, about your gifts, about your abilities, about your wealth, all, all these things. So <clears throat> this idea of a thought exalting itself against, that's fancy language, okay, the knowledge of God. Let me just, you know, use the hands here again to try to illustrate. So if this hand um, is saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, just use that as an example. It's what the Bible says about you if you've been born again, okay? And the, but then we have this other thought that says, uh, that's not true. You, you committed sin today. That's not true. You know, notice what it's trying to do. It's a thought that's trying to exalt itself against, meaning it's trying to find a higher place, back to place, the place you give something, right? God gives his word place above all his name, all right? So now we've got the word of God in our lives that says, you know, whom the Son has made free is free indeed, shall be free in their performed action. Um, but then we've got our past history of addiction and failure and letting sin rule that, see, now we have thoughts that that, that lifestyle has reinforced. And notice they're trying to exalt themselves above. In other words, they're trying to take 
a place of overriding supremacy, overriding, canceling out, exalting themselves, thoughts exalting uh, against the knowledge of God, what we know to be true from, from God. And so he says that we, um, what, we have to bring those thoughts into captivity. If, see, if we don't learn how to take those thoughts captive, then guess what they'll do? They will take us captive. If, if we don't learn how to, um, to fight that battle, and, and I know that a lot of times think, you know, well, I lost, I lost a spiritual battle because I was tempted and because, you know, something in my flesh or whatever. Listen, by the time it makes it to the flesh level, right, <laughs> that it's something been going on in your mind for a long, long time, uh, or maybe not a super long, but it's, in other words, it, it starts in the mind. Amen, y'all right? You hear what I'm saying? It starts in the mind. And so, you know, if, if we, in so much of, and we'll learn this when we get to the uh, renewing of the mind part, but the Bible talks about, you know, being carnally minded, and the Bible talks about carnal behavior. Carnal, just think fleshly, you know, wrong, lustful behavior. And see, so many of the sermons that we hear are railing against our fleshly, carnal behavior, okay? But the real problem is the fleshly mindedness, the carnal mindedness, that's at the root of the fleshly behavior. And religion and the devil would have you to try to fight those battles in the flesh at the flesh level you know uh, avoid the triggers you know these I, listen i'm not saying go run and chase after triggers and, and put yourself in harm's way i'm not saying that but i think if we've learned anything we've learned by now that just avoiding triggers isn't enough it's because if we don't learn how to um you know win this spiritual battle in our minds uh, then there's no way we will ever successfully, consistently win it in our uh, outward man. Praise God. All right, um, 642, which means I need to pray. Um, hey, thank y'all for being here. I don't take it for granted. I, I hope I never took it for granted, but um, being in this, in this room uh, alone for a year and a half teaching <laughs> to a camera, um, has, has certainly uh, made me appreciate uh, folks uh, being here and being present. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the things that you've taught us tonight by your Holy Spirit and by your Holy Word. Thank you, Father, that you have um, imparted things, grafted things into us, Lord. Father, that we've heard truth tonight that um, is literally powerful enough to alter our personalities, Father. Lord, I thank you tonight for the confidence that we have in you, for the peace and rest that we have in you. Father, to know that you love us and that you're patient with us, to know, Father, that you always believe the best about us, to know, Father, that you have a vested interest in our getting it right, to know, Father, that you're eternally committed to us, you're emotionally connected to us, you're enthusiastically concerned for us. Father, that um, Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. And, Father, that, that you uh, have known us and loved us uh, from before the beginning of time. And so, Father, as, as we just stand before you at the end of this class, we thank you for your great love and for your great purpose. Father, that you've redeemed our lives from destruction. Lord, I'm sure every person listening to me right now has some story to tell about a close brush with death 
Father, where the enemy of their souls, the enemy of my soul, tried to take us out before our time. And you were there, your angels were there. And we've lived another day to know your goodness in the land of the living. Father, help us to take what we have left in terms of our life on this earth and make it count for you. Father, teach us the things that we need to know. Open up our understanding to your spiritual ways. And Lord, may we do what you created us to do to the best of our ability and yours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Know that you're loved. Thank you so much.